You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want you to ready your hearts and open yourselves up to how the Lord is going to speak to you today. I want to welcome from the other side, from the south, Please welcome everybody to preach to you God's message, Brother Bo Sanchez. Love people over things. I'll say that again. Love people over things. Hi, everybody. This is Bo Sanchez, and welcome to the feast, and welcome to our exploration in the Gospel of Matthew. And my message today is obvious and simple, and you've heard that before. But it is so life-changing and so powerful. Can I, can I give you a warning? Let, at the start of the talk, I'm going to give you a warning. That if we love things over people, the very opposite, we destroy our life. We destroy our relationship. We destroy our families. We destroy our ministries, our churches, our businesses, our companies, our country, and the world. We, do, we destroy ourselves. I'm telling you, this is tough words, but it's the truth. Look around you. Look for the worst problem you can see. Corruption, war, drugs, etc. It's because many times, it's not the only reason, but one of the major reasons is we love things over people. I'm going to ask you this one question. Actually, three questions. Why do families break down? One big reason would be money. According to Ramsey Solutions, the number one cause of marital fights is money. And the number two cause of divorce in the U.S. next to infidelity is, again, money. According to TD Ametrade, 41%, did you, did you get that? 41% of Gen Xers ended their marriage because of money. My gosh, but you know, that, that's, that's data right there. I was talking to Robert. He's a 37-year-old guy, and I can remember. I can still picture him in my mind. He's just sobbing in front of me, grieving at the end of his marriage. His wife walked out of the house carrying his two kids, and she told him, I don't want to see your face ever again. And, you know, he's been begging for her to come back, and she doesn't want to. So while he was crying in front of me, Robert said this. Oh, by the way, Robert's not his real name. Okay, I'm hiding his identity. Robert said this. It's my fault, Brother Bo. It is my fault. All these years, I've put my job over my family. Um, another question. Why are there drugs? Again, obvious. It's all about money. 750,000 people die of overdose from illegal drugs, shabu, cocaine, heroin, a truckload of others. But 269 million are addicted. And, and I'm telling you, they, they may be physically alive, but they are already emotionally dead. They're already professionally dead. They're relationally dead. They're spiritually dead. Here's, here's, here's a third question. Why are there 
wars. I mean, why? I mean, no one wins in a war. I mean, we, history will tell you that even the country that claims to be the victor lost because wars have produced billions of orphans and widows and widowers. And if you're one of them, I grieve with you and my heart bleeds for you and with you. In the past 100 years, 108 million people have died because of war, just in the past century. And so why are there wars? One, one word, just one word, greed. That's it. World War I, it was all about the wealth of the colonies in Asia and Africa. World War II, because Japan and Germany wanted more resources. And Can I talk about something that you and I know very well? Why did Spain conquer the Philippines for 333 years? Let, let, let's check your history books. And let's see, let's check your history knowledge. If you ask the Spanish missionaries, they will tell you, we came to the Philippines to spread Christianity. And you know what? I believe that there were many pure-hearted missionaries that were willing to die for Jesus so that Jesus becomes known here in this archipelago. And I am a happy Catholic today. <laughs> and I thank God for those missionaries, really. But I also believe that what was meant for evil God meant for good because the motives were not very pure because according to history and historians, they will say that the kings wanted more wealth. Spain conquered South America for gold and conquered the Philippines for spices. And in their desire to get rich, they were willing to kill and to cause the suffering of millions. That's my point. Look, I'm not against money, nor is Jesus against money. For crying out loud, I'm a financial teacher. And so with many friends from the feast, we built a lot of ministries for the poor. One of them is Anawim, um, our ministry for the abandoned elderly. We pick up lolos and loras from the streets. We give them a home. And so do you know how much we spend to do this incredible, amazing, phenomenal work every month? We spend a million pesos to care for all these old people in, in, in this, in this um, center of ours. One million pesos. I'm just talking about one ministry. We've got so many. We've got a ministry for the pregnant women in crisis, another house for sexually abused children. We've got scholarship. We, we, we've, we've got, where does the money come from? It comes from generous people like you who earn that money through their jobs, through their businesses, through their investments. My point is, money cannot be evil. You know, you need money to put food on the table. You need money to send your kids to school. You need money to put a roof over your head. You need money to build an orphanage. And you need money to send missionaries out there to share His love. And you need money to broadcast God's message through media. So money can be a blessing or money can be a curse. And it's a choice that we have to make, like everything else in life. Life and anything and everything can be a blessing or a curse. Relationships, responsibilities, um, 
after that long intro, are you ready to go into the Word of God? Uh, one day, there was this rich man who talked to Jesus. And Matthew, the gospel writer, is so, so, so brilliant. What he does is he positions this story right after Jesus welcomes small children. And there Jesus says, we read this last week, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like little children. So I I shared this last week that Jesus was not referring to the personality of children, you know, playful, innocent. No, no. He was referring to the position of the kids. They were in the lowest rung of society. They were powerless. They were a nobody in society. And then right after, right after, walks in a man who had everything. He was rich, he was young, he was even religious. And it's it's ironic how Jesus would welcome the nobodies, the small people, and he would reject this person, this prized catch. You know, he had power. You know, in another version, in another gospel, it says he was a ruler. And Jesus would reject him because he wanted to follow Jesus in his own terms. Now, are you excited to get into our key passage for today? We're going to answer five questions today. Are you ready? Here we go. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Okay, this someone was that rich guy, young rich guy. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? There are three key words I'd like to dissect. The word teacher, the word good deed, and the word eternal life, okay? So, five questions. Question number one, is Jesus your teacher or Lord? Because this young guy called Jesus teacher, teacher. But do you know, and you you might find this very interesting, I did, fascinating in fact. In the Gospel of Matthew, only outsiders called Jesus teacher. The Pharisees called Jesus teacher, the demon-possessed called Jesus teacher, and now this young, rich ruler, young, rich guy calls him teacher. And so you can almost see, it's like, it's like Matthew is giving you a hint that this story won't end well. The disciples, the insiders, they did not call Jesus teacher. The disciples, the, the, the Roman centurion who had faith, and, the, and, the, and that woman, that Canaanite woman who had faith, They didn't call Jesus teacher. They called Jesus Lord. You know why? Here's my suspicion. Here's my guess. We listen to teachers, but we obey the Lord. And so my question to you is this. I hope you're listening. Are you ready? Here's my question. Is Jesus a guru? Is Jesus a life coach? Is Jesus a consultant with nice sayings and quotes that you can post in Instagram? Or is Jesus the owner and the master of your life? Answer that question. Question number two. Do you want to retire in paradise or serve God here and now? Because the young man asked Jesus, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, modern people, when you hear the words eternal life, you automatically think of heaven, you know, halos, you you know, angels and fluffy clouds. But, but the original sense, in the original Greek text, eternal life means living the life of God. And so it's so much deeper than a visa going to heaven. So ask yourself this question. What is your spiritual life about? Is it just a happy retirement in paradise? That's the goal. Go to heaven. 
or I hope it's not. Because God wants you to live His life in the here and in the now, to co-build the kingdom of Jesus in this world. Question number three. Woo! Do you get the heart of Jesus for others? Because the young man asks, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? By the structure of the question, you know, and Matthew is pointing to this, that this guy was thinking like a Pharisee. Faith was transactional. To Jesus, nothing is transactional about faith. Faith is always relational. And so Jesus gives a brilliant answer. Let's read. He reveals his heart when he says, Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only the one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. So, so Jesus was, was answering him in his terms, okay, in his language. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, I want you to be to, to be to analyze the, the, the answer of Jesus. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus mentions five of the ten commandments. Here's my question to you. Why doesn't just Jesus, you know, blurt out, enumerate the Ten Commandments in order? No, he chooses five, and then they're in upside-down order. Why? Here's the answer. Jesus was revealing his heart. What do I mean? The Ten Commandments are divided into two halves, two parts. Section one, section two. Section one is loving God. The first five commandments are about loving God. And then the second part is about loving others. I want you to know that the first four commands, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't testify falsely. They're all part of the second half about loving others. And then Jesus mentions the fifth command, which is part of the first half. It's the only one that's part of the first half. Honor your father and your mother. And my dear friends, please listen. It is the only command in the, in the, in the upper portion, in the first half, that also is not only on loving God, but it's also about loving others. The reason being is that the parents represent God, and therefore when you, and you know, that's not the point. The point is this. Jesus summarizes everything and says, love your neighbor as yourself, which is not part of the Ten Commandments. It is, it is a quotation from Leviticus 19.18. And in Matthew 22, two chapters later, Jesus is, will quote that again in answering the question, what are the greatest commandments? Um, what was Jesus doing? He was just, he was telling people, loving others is not an option. You want to love God? You've got to love others. He was emphasizing this to this guy who seemed to be externally observing the law and fulfilling it. But Jesus was seeing the heart and Jesus was saying, no, that's not enough. Loving God? You've got to love others. The next verse will open up and be more explicit. Listen, watch, open your heart, and be very blessed. Thank you so much for that beautiful message, Brother Bo. And thank you, everybody, to all our dear attendees for still being there. Quick roll call. Type in, still here, in the chat box, so I know that uh, you're still listening. Um, thank you so much. I hope that uh, this message has been blessing you. And I'm praying that God is going to use it this week to uh, touch your life.
There you go. Ma'an says, Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or, or Facebook, please be extra noisy. Thank you for still being here. V, Al, Carla, Jedi. Ooh, beautiful name, Jedi. Azul, Natalie, and thank you so much, guys. Thank you for being there, for being extra participative. Anyway, I am sure that you are being blessed by the story, but the story doesn't end there. So if you got the premise, the gist of this rich young guy comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, or rather teacher, uh, what must I do in order to get eternal life? And Jesus gives him an, uh, a, very, a very good answer, but he wasn't satisfied. In fact, he says this in verse 20. I want us to read this together. Verse 20, he says, I have obeyed all these commandments that Jesus told him. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? You know, when I read that, what else must I do? Isn't that all of us speaking at, at any given point in our life? What else must I do? I've done the task. I've completed the work. I've, I've, I've done this. I've done that. What else must I do? What else must I do to, to get this promotion? What else must I do to win her heart? What else must I do to get that, that, that Starbucks planner? I filled up all the stamps in my card. You know? So what else must I do? This guy was asking Jesus. And then in verse 20, 21, Jesus says, If you want to be perfect, there's a word for somebody, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. There is a lot of elements in the story that I really want to talk about, but you know, given the time, the limited time that we have, I'm going to focus on one point for a moment, okay? Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfect, some of you are saying perfect. I mean, there's no way that I could be perfect, Jesus. There's no such thing as perfect. To us, you know, perfect men uh, without fault or, or flawless. Like, for example, the, the, the facial skin of Brother Mike Vinas, it's, it's flawless. Or, or the singing ability of Brother Adrian Paniban, it's flawless. But you know what? Back then, to them, that's not what perfect meant. I'm going to explain this to you. I'm going to need you to put on your thinking caps for a few moments because class is now in session, all right? In the original Greek language, the word perfect simply meant complete. All right, complete, like, like from A to zinc, like the vitamin. From A to zinc, it's complete. So in this sense, in that definition of the word, Jesus was saying that if you want to get inter uh, in, uh, or inherit eternal life, you need to be complete. That's why the question was, and Brother Bo preached it so much, that why did this young guy who was, who was, number one, young, he was rich and he was religious, why couldn't he just be able to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, because you're not complete. Even though you're young, you're rich and religious. What was not complete about him? See, he may have been excellent in his religious observance. He knew the scriptures. He followed the commandments. But how many of you know that religion is not just about that? Religion is not just doing a bunch of rituals. But religion is actually having a relationship with your God. That's what religion is. It's more than just performing rituals like saying the rosary every day or going to mass regularly or going to confession and, and receiving the sacraments. Those are all beautiful. But at the end of the day, religion is having a relationship with our God. All right. That's, that's, that's the, the, the main point. Look at this word, Christian. When you look at the word Christian, that comes from the root name Christ. If you remove the name Christ, you're left with just the letters I-A-N. That's not a name. But actually, that means something. It's not just a bunch of letters. It means I 
am nothing. Because without Christ, I am nothing. Say amen if you believe that. Without Jesus, without this relationship with my God, everything that I do, it's just without merit. It becomes meaningless. Religion happens to be a relationship with your God. I hope you remember that. All right, take it down. Being a Christian is also living a life of selflessness. All right, the problem with this guy is that he wasn't selfless. He was selfish. He didn't want to part with his possessions and give it to the poor. And I'll tell you more about that in a moment because he, he might have had different priorities or different values. But here's the thing. Oppressing the poor doesn't necessarily mean that you, you not cheat them or you don't scam them or you don't love them. But oppressing the poor is also about being indifferent and not being, uh, not being caring about the suffering of other people. Which brings us now to the fourth question. Fourth question. Can I be a Catholic without loving the suffering? Can I be a Catholic, Brother Audi, even if I don't love people who suffer? Answer, absolutely not. Because the word Catholic, it's an irony. The word Catholic actually means all-embracing. As a Catholic, if we are to be the genuine, authentic Catholic that God calls us to be, we need to embrace every kind of person out there, people who are broken, people who are lost. It doesn't have, always have to be people who are nice to you, but sometimes it's those people who don't even love you back, the people who are hardest to love. We embrace them, even if they're different from us. That's why, you know what? Pope Francis, our leader, the God instituted in our church. I love his pastoral letter, Amoris Leticia. If you get a chance, read it. It's online because it completely re reveals the heart of our leader, that he is a man who, who simply is willing to humble himself in order to love people who are even different from him. Even if they don't share the same belief, he respects human rights and human dignity. And that's what we need. We need other people to respect other people. But you know what? The question is, why does God even love, uh, want us to love the suffering? Simple. Because after all, they're still his children, right? They're still his children. They're still your brother and your sister. And sometimes we forget because we're so bitter and we're so angry. Sometimes we forget that we're all made and we're all covered with the same blood, the same blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross 2,000 years ago. It runs in our veins. So we're all brothers and sisters. That's why we need to love the suffering. See, this person, this guy in this story, he didn't want to part with his possessions. He didn't want to let go and give it to the poor. Here's one thing you got to know. Jesus actually doesn't hate money. That's why he didn't accept the guy right away. He didn't, he didn't, that's why the guy walked away because he couldn't let go of his money. But I want you to know, Brother Bo said it earlier, Jesus doesn't hate money. But Jesus hates the way that money desensitizes us from, from seeing the suffering of other people. If you are not careful, my friend, money or wealth might blind you to the suffering of other people. It might create this illusion that you live in this, in this own island where it's your kingdom and nobody else can be there except you or your loved ones or your closest BFFs, but that's it. So meanwhile, you're completely oblivious to the, to the things that's happening in the world around you. That's what might happen. You are not willing to let go of your wealth because you, you treat it as your treasure, which brings us now to the fifth and most important question. I want you to ask yourself this question. Should I sell all and then give all my possessions? Is that what Jesus is trying to teach us right now? That I would, I would uh, go out after this session and then go to the nearest bank 
Should I do that and then withdraw all my money and then give it to the first person that I see on the street? First of all, I want you to listen to this. First of all, if you're going to do that, please let me know which branch or bank that you're going to go to so that I can meet with you there. <laughs> it's a date, all right? Send me the, send me the address, PM me. But I got two answers actually for that question. Should I sell all and give all? Here's the first, first answer. This was not the first time that Jesus asked somebody to do that. Actually, he asked two people. The first one was Nicodemus, the religious leader, who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But when Jesus said, come follow me, but in order to follow me, leave everything behind. Nicodemus was not ready to leave his, his luxury, his title, his position, his prestige, or whatever. So he didn't follow Jesus. But the next person, the next person that Jesus asked was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, the short guy who climbed up the tree just in order to see Jesus, and Jesus visited his home. Now, take a look at this. Zacchaeus actually voluntarily offered to Jesus that he would give half of his possessions to the poor. And Jesus said, I'm completely fine by that. Jesus didn't even require you know, the full amount. But what is God really trying to tell us? What is God trying to tell us? Lord, should I give all to everybody, here's the first thing, all right? Sometimes God might call you to do different way, different things. Like for example, for some of you, God might call you to, for example, simplify more so that you can give more. That's a beautiful thing to do, for you to simplify your needs so that you could meet the needs of other people. Simplifying for me is sacrificing. It's sacrificial because when you when you detach from certain things in your life that you believe is not really an essential, maybe it's as small as maybe, I don't know, your milk tea budget or maybe your Lazada budget or your Shopee budget. I don't know what it is. But if you detach yourself from certain things and then say, I'm going to use this portion that I have allocated that, that's not really that important and then give it to somebody in need, like a mercy ministry that Brother Bo was talking about, that's sacrificial, my dear friends. That's why I want to honor every giver and donor of our feast. Those of you who are so faithful in your giving in spite of all your needs, but the moment you, you say, I sacrifice, I simplify my life so that I could share a little bit of something to others, that's beautiful, my dear friends. Please do that. Please be sacrificial. But maybe, you know, for some of you, God won't just ask you to simplify more, but God might ask you to earn more so that you can give more. How many of you want to earn more? Give me a virtual hands up. We all do, I believe. In fact, I remember the story about this man who uh, was praying to the Lord for a job. How many of you are praying for the Lord, uh, to the Lord for a job? I pray that God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But this guy, he prayed to the Lord for a job and God blessed him with a job. First starting paycheck was 10,000 pesos. Hallelujah. So the first day, he gets his paycheck. He goes to church and then goes to a priest and then, and then says, Father, God has blessed me today with a job. So I want to give 10% of my income, the first fruits of my labor. So here is 1,000 pesos. And the priest says, pray to the Lord, son. Thank you so much for being a blessing. Can I pray for you? And the, 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 the man says, sure. The, father, the, the priest prays for him. Father in heaven, we th I thank you for this man that you are using as your blessing. And I pray that you would bless him more so that he can give more. You know what? Six months later, the guy, because of his diligence at work, he gets promoted to team leader. And now his salary upgrade is now 50,000 pesos. Ooh, praise God. So he goes to the same church the day he gets his salary. And then he comes to the same priest and says, Father, I received the promotion. I want to give you, I want to give the church 10% of my income now. 5,000 pesos. 
and, and the priestess. Hallelujah. You are truly a miracle. Thank you so much. Let me pray for you. God Almighty, I thank you for this man that you are using to be a blessing. I pray that you would bless him more so that he can give more. So you know what? Six months later, again, because of the excellent work, the dedication in his craft, he gets another, another promotion. And this time, he gets promoted to manager. Now his salary was a whopping 100,000 pesos. So now he goes to church again, brings his first fruits, the 10% the, the of his income, 10,000 pesos, gives it to the priest. And the, and the father says, thank you so much. Clearly, the Lord is at work in your life. Let me pray for you, son. Lord, I want to thank you that you are continuously blessing your child. And my prayer is that you would bless him more so that he can give even more. You know what? Six months later, again, because of his integrity, his honesty, and his faithfulness in the company, he gets another promotion. Now he's promoted to the VP of the company with a salary upgrade of 500,000 pesos. And by this time... Some of you are probably asking, what company is that, Brother Audie? Let me work there. Where do I sign up? <laughs> this is a fictional story, by the way. But he goes to the same church again when he receives his uh, salary. And then he holds in his hand for the very first time this huge, thick wad of envelope filled with 50,000 pesos, 10% of his new income. He goes to the same priest. And as he was about to reach and give that envelope, he hesitates a little bit and he says, you know, Father, I have been coming here again and again, giving my, my fruit, the fruits of my labor, 10% to the Lord, my tithe. But this is the first time, Father, that I'm holding so much amount on my hand. It feels like, doesn't it feel like it's a little bit too much? I mean, I can almost imagine all the things that I could buy and add to cart with this money. And so he says, Father, I'm struggling here. Can you please pray for me? And so the priest says, sure, son, I will pray for you. Father, you know, you have been the source of every blessing that this man has received. And I thank you for his faithfulness. But your child, your son is struggling right now, Lord. So here's my prayer. I pray that you would bless him less so that he doesn't have to give more. <laughs> That's just a fictional story, all right? But I, I actually made up that story. But why am I sharing this? Here's the word for someone. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. The reason why God blesses you is so that you can be a blessing to others too. The very purpose of a blessing that we receive from the Lord is so that we would share it with people around us. And the moment we hold on tight to that blessing, you know what's happening? You're blocking the blessing. You're not just blocking the blessing that another person will receive, but you're blocking the flow of the blessing that can go into your life once you replenish, once you let go of that blessing, God replenishes that. That's, that's the way God works. So if you want God to consistently let you overflow, then keep pouring out to other people. Let your cup overflow this week, my dear friend. But maybe, you know what, for some of you, this is the way that God will even answer or call you to do. He might call you to earn more or simplify more. But for most of us, God might call us to give one of the most valuable resources that we have. It's not just money. Because heaven knows that money is not the only resource that we have. One of the greatest resources and the most limited resource that we have is time. Right? T-I-M-E. It's time. Because last time I checked, we all got 24, hour, 24 hours a day, right? How many of you have 25 hours a day? Come on, raise your hand if you've got 25 hours a day. The only place that I know that has 25 hours a day is this place. 
Look at that. Gouda, the restaurant. <laughs> Open 25 hours every day. That's, that's brilliant marketing right there, but that's a joke, right? We all got 24 hours a day. Even the, the, even the billionaires or the trillionaires, we all share the same hours that God deposited into our account. See, once you use your time to give to others, that's very sacrificial because you're saying that I am willing to sacrifice a little bit of this resource that's limited and then give it to other people. That's why I want to give a shout out to all the feast planters who are joining us today. If you're a feast planter, come on, give me a hands up. I want to honor you right now for being God's hands, arms, feet, and God's voice to the lost, least, and the last in this world. Thank you for shining, being a beacon of light to those who need an encouragement and hope. My dear friend, whether you are a preacher or a leader, your goal or your mission is to preach hope. That's all you got to do. You preach hope, inspire people. God knows we live in a world where you know, people are, are, are so angry. People are so bitter. People are so resentful. And people are unforgiving. You see that all over the news, all over social media. We need more people to step up and become beacons of light, to become representatives of Jesus. And all it takes is that you give your time. You know what? Let me explain this. The design of the feast is very simple. It's very simple. As a newcomer, you come into the feast and then we invite you. Oh, come on in. Sit down. We're going to have a feast. You're going to get to dine in and to buffet and to get nourished by God's word. And so you sit down at the buffet table, the dining room. And that's how we all start. We enjoy God's word. But you know what? The more you get nourished, the more you mature in your faith. The goal of every feaster is not just to sit down on the buffet table but it's to actually graduate from the dining table and then go into the kitchen. Go into the kitchen and help us. Help us serve people. Be the waiters, be the waitresses, be the servers that would marinate and stew and cook God's word and then serve it to those who are still in need. That's the goal of every feaster, that you wouldn't just sit back and relax and receive God's word, but that you would go out the moment God matures you, go out to the broken world and be a beacon of light to others. That's giving your time to people. All right? I hope and pray that this message is blessing you. We're going to talk more about that next Sunday as we have that big celebration like we promised. All right? But let me close this way. We're about to close. We have been talking about this young rich guy all morning about how, you know, he should have been more complete. Just Jesus said, perfect. Got to be more complete. That we, we gave him a hard time that he wasn't willing to let go of his possessions. But you know what? I want to take it from the opposite spectrum and try to understand where he might be coming from. Because after all, you know, this guy, he was young. How many of you know that when you're young, you got so many concerns? You know, you, maybe he might have been building his, uh, his security for the future. God knows he was still going to get married. Who knows? Or maybe he was trying to plan ahead for his, his uh, future uh, investments. Or maybe he was trying to plan for his children's future children's uh, college tuition. Who knows? Maybe he was try just trying to lock in and secure a beautiful future, beautiful retirement. We don't know. But one thing is for sure, and I know this for a fact, because when you're young, when you're young, oftentimes, you know, some things happen and uh when you're young, somehow your, your priorities or your perspectives are oftentimes different. What do I mean by that? Sometimes your priorities are disordered. Sometimes your values are even not in the right place. And I believe that this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was challenging this young person. And I believe that Jesus is also challenging you and me. 
whether our values are in the right place or our priorities are in the right place. And the reason why I said that it's because he's young is because I've got a four-year-old here at home or to be exact, a 3.5-year-old. My son, Ethan, you know, just the other week, uh, whenever he takes a shower, he likes to bring his toys. There you go. Thank you for showing that picture. He likes to bring his toys. But one time last week, he said, uh, Dada, just randomly and casually, he says, Dada, can you put soap on my toys first? And you know, at that instant, I felt the spirit of the Lord speaking to me. And no, it wasn't the spirit of that safeguard soap, just like that commercial. It was the spirit of the Lord speaking to me. And I knew that it was a teaching moment between me and him. And so I say to him, uh, Ethan, son, I can't do that. I can't soap your toys first because that would mean, and I tried to explain this the best way to a three-year-old. Um, I said that if I soap your toys first, you know, all the soap suds will just end up on your toys. And by the time that I'm done, there won't be enough soap suds for you. I can't do that simply because you're more important than your plastic toys. And you know what? God wanted me to tell somebody here today the same thing. You're more important. You are more important. If you are beside somebody physically right now, tell that person you're more important. You're more important. You're more important, God says. You're more important than heaven the comforts of heaven. You are more important than, than the agony in the garden. You, 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 you're more important than, than the, 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 the spit and the kicks and the stares of people. You are more important than the crown that pierced my head, than the, than the nails that pierced my palm. God says you're more important. And I hope that you receive this message today, especially if you've been struggling about your worth and you've been insecure about whether God loves you. But God says to you, you're more important. In fact, let me prove it to you. Jesus had the luxury of heaven in his hands. He had the glories of the world within his, his palms. But what did he do? He climbed down from where he was seated up there and he climbed up a wooden tree in order to display that he chooses both you and me. God chooses you. And I wish that that's how you would respond to the Lord today. To simply come up to him as you receive his love and say, Lord, you're also important. You are more important. In fact, you're more important, Lord, than the two hours that I could have spent doing something else. You're more important, Lord, than every possession that I have, this gadget, this laptop, this, this bed, this house, this shelter, these clothes on my back. Lord, you're more important. And I want to build my relationship with you as the front and the center and, 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 and side to side and everything around. Just be around me, Lord, because you are more important. When you release yourself from the prison of material things, my dear friend, you will realize what is truly essential in your life, that people are essential. And ultimately, Jesus is your greatest essential. So choose people over things. Choose Jesus over all things. I pray that as I end this message that God is going to convict you today to realize that you have been putting trust and putting your, your confidence in things that that's not, not going to last. Put it on Jesus. Let's worship him, everybody, as we come in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to encourage you not to leave during this time because this is your special time to be with the Lord. It's just a few minutes, but spend this time responding to God's love and receiving it at the same time. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this message. And we just want to 
Breathe in your love and your mercy and your grace flowing in and out of our life right now. There are certain things, Lord, that we have put our life and, and put in the throne of our life. And if it's not you, Lord, we ask you to dethrone that, to remove it. We want you to be the center of our life, front, back, center, side to side. Be our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.